On today's podcast, we're talking about the account of Abraham and Isaac found in Genesis chapter 22. This is a continuing part of our series called Stories That Shape Our Faith. Today in our conversation, we cover questions like, what is substitutionary atonement? What was the significance of God asking Abraham to sacrifice his son? And why does the passage refer to the angel of the Lord that appeared rather than an angel? And why does it even matter? All of this and much more today on After the Message. Well, hey guys, welcome, uh, <laughs> welcome back to the podcast. Hey Mike, hey Mike. Yeah, Mike, Mike. that intro was a cut above the rest, <laughs> was it? Oh, I, I know. Boy. Oh man! Wow. Okay, I just see what you did there. All right, I don't want to see. What yeah, you did there. and we probably don't even need to speak to it. <laughs> um, but I did learn a new phrase, like just before we hit record on here. So this the, is going to say term, a lot about you. The term <laughs> crawfishing. Crawfishing. But yeah. like not in the sense of catching crawfish. Right. No, it's like when backtracking you, on something. Yeah. You, <laughs> you say something you shouldn't have said, you start crawfishing. Yeah. I had never heard that before. God. Hey, Mark, why did tell us why Mike had never heard of it? <laughs> I'm not going to repeat that. <laughs> but I'm just no, saying. where's he from? Oh, because he's from Florida. <laughs> they don't crawfish, they lobster. Uh, well, he only yeah. knows how to lobster. <laughs> Mike's a little highfalutin for us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, but we already knew that. <laughs> the whole, yeah. Well, I won't go into the story. Yet, you know. It's, uh, anyway, I did learn a new phrase. It's very, well, I spent a lot of my life crawfishing. I feel in probably so a lot, many different ways. <laughs> probably a lot less time than you spent lobstering. <laughs> I feel, I, I feel that much more indoctrinated, in, uh, indoctrinated into Southern culture. Welcome there. to Mississippi. Yeah. We're so yep. glad you're here. Yep. So, after so many years. There you mm-hmm. go. Um, well, uh, so it's it's good to be here, and, and of course we're we're continuing the series, uh, stories that shape our faith, and uh, so uh, today we're talking about Abraham and Isaac, mm. and uh, which uh, is always it's always been one of my favorite stories. I mean, as a as a worship pastor, like just the whole that whole scene of Abraham and yeah. this act of worship that was you know it's always been something that I've been drawn to, um, but. Again, admittedly, as with most of these stories, I'm like discovering new things that I, I you know, never really thought about, um, and and so this week was was no different. I don't know how that was for you guys, but you know, maybe you're more highfalutin than me. So. <laughs> oh, Not we assume we are. I do know that the series so far, like we're three weeks in, and it has been one of my most favorite series to prepare for each week. Yeah, uh, just because it's stories again that we know. And, and there's a reason we call it the stories that shape our faith, because we know them, and, and they have in some way shaped our faith. But the going back through them, looking at, at the detail of why Moses chose to include these stories, like we'll get to some that weren't Moses writing, um, but, but these are, and why did he choose to give these to shape the faith of the Israelites as they moved into the promised land? Like, it... It matters. And I think Mm. um, for us, so many times we love to live in the New Testament because it's easier and more applicable, we think, because this stuff is really applicable once we understand Mm -hmm. it. Yeah. As we were talking through this earlier, um, especially going through our trainings with our deacons, we gave them a one line, like, what's the overarching story of the Bible? Mm. And the answer was, it's the story of redemption through Jesus. So I'm kind of looking back through these Mm -hmm. stories as everything is pointing forward. Yeah to the story of redemption in Jesus right. and kind of coloring in the lines there. Yeah. Really helpful. And I, I, I mean, that's been what part of what's so great about, you know, so a while back, actually through the podcast, uh, Josh, you introduced me and everyone else who listens to, uh, to that commentary series that, that 
exalting Christ exalting in Christ. you know right. whatever book of the Bible, and and so everything showing that everything how everything in Scripture points back to Jesus, and that's been one of the most uh, or one of the coolest things about this series and these stories is is seeing how it does point us back to Christ mm-hmm. or point ahead to uh, to what Christ will do, um, which you know brings me to uh, a question that that we. We actually talked about this last week with the Noah and the Ark uh, mm-hmm. uh, story, um, but what is in this in this week? Is there a Christ type in in this in this story? Last last week was the Ark. We kind of talked about it on the podcast, um, and so if there is one this week, what is it? Oh. Well, sure. I think I think there are a couple of things, right? So there's there's typology, and then there's imagery, and I think. Uh, some of the earliest lines of imagery that we draw here is uh, Abraham laying the wood that is going to be used for sacrifice on Isaac, assuming that's on his back. And then so Isaac has this wood strapped to him, and he has to carry it up to the mountain, to the mm. place where the sacrifice is going to happen, right? So there's there's some imagery there. I right. don't believe that Isaac is the Christ type, um, if we're doing typology. And I think right. um, as you let the story unfold... It's the ram that's provided in the the thicket because it's the substitution um, for for Isaac. And, you know, we get into a term that I used on Sunday, and it's an important term, but it it is a hotly contested term um, called substitutionary atonement, Mm. right? So uh, it is this idea that Christ has atoned for us, but he did so as a substitute in our place, meaning that, that God had wrath coming for us, uh, and, and here's what we would believe, that we have sinned, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So everybody is going to receive this wrath of God, and at the perfect time, Christ comes in, trades places, he becomes our substitute, and and we get righteousness, and he gets wrath. And so we would say that would be the, the substitute that happened with the ram and Isaac. Um, and so in substitutionary atonement, we believe that it is not only great and glorious that Christ came and died on our behalf, but it is 100% necessary. Uh, if he did not, there's no way for the wrath of God to be fully satisfied uh, if Christ doesn't come and drink the entire cup of that wrath on the mm-hmm. cross. So what's, you said it's contested. Like, Yeah. How so? Mm-hmm. Right. So uh, there are other views of atonement, right? So the one of the earliest pictures we get of atonement is called Christ, Christos Victor, uh, or the, the victorious Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, and if to, to give you some analogy of what that's going to look like, and probably a person that you've read, or at least even watched some of the movies that were depicted after it, um, would be the Chronicles of Narnia. Um, if you notice that if you look at the Aslan type in C.S. Lewis writings, um, it's not going to necessarily be the substitute uh, for mm-hmm. the wrath coming, but it is going to be the victorious Aslan that he did die, but it was not about the substitute. It was about the victorious raising. Mm-hmm. And so he was Christ the victor, right? So that would be one that early church history kind of clung to. Um, and the reason, you know, anything new um, in, in, in Christendom, anything new can be, you know, a thousand years old. It still could be relatively new. Um, and the idea of substitutionary atonement doesn't come onto the scene until probably the Reformation. Um, so we're, we're looking at 500 years ago. Um, and mm-hmm. again, 
relatively new compared to Christ lived 2,000 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have uh, substitutionary atonement. Then you have one that kind of mingles some called penal substitutionary atonement or mm-hmm. penal atonement. Uh, and it's this idea that that he is coming just simply to take the penalty away from us, not necessarily to substitute, but it's just he's he's taking the penalty away. So anyway, all that to say where I land here, of course, is how I preached it Sunday, is substitutionary atonement, that we deserved God's wrath because of our sin. And you would say, okay, wait, time out. Did Isaac sin? Is that why he was sentenced to die? No, that's not what the, the account tells us. But God did say that he is to die. Uh, now, whether we get into why did God say that, uh, was did he really mean that, right? But the pronouncement was made, death is coming to him. And and God God said it was. And so as they moved up to the mountain, as they even got the sacrifice ready, as they as Abraham has the knife, and I don't know if the knife is in the air as we see a lot of the depictions, or the knife blade is at the throat, because that would be the first cut of a burnt offering is to cut the throat and let the blood bleed out. But it was in that moment that he stops, God stops with the voice of 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 the angel of, of the Lord. And then right there is the ram in the thicket. So he stops the declaration of death, trades it out with something else. And so what was once dead is now alive because of the substitution that was made. Mm. That's where I land with substitutionary atonement. Uh-huh. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. You're getting pretty good at that. That's okay. That's oh, okay. man. Yeah, we yeah. just <laughs> think of it. Well, I think. Uh, <laughs> out of one simple question. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What so, do you mean? <laughs> you're, getting, you're getting better at this whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, like. Like you said, there's there's multiple theories. That's right. And so um, you have ransom. You have uh, penal substitutionary atonement theory. You have um, uh, there's another one. Uh, but so I think we're what you'll find is is people lean mm-hmm. more heavily into on one. one. But there's threads. But that run there through. are threads that run through all of them. That's right. And mm-hmm. so, is it okay? To, is it okay for a person to be in either one of those camps and kind of uh, go back and forth? Or is one um, right? So, if you put your hope and trust in Christ, what are you hoping Him to do? Save you from Save what? You. That's right. God's yeah. wrath. God's wrath. Uh, right. To to the point, though, right. I don't think you have to say, "Okay, I trust Jesus, and I choose substitutionary right. atonement." Right. Uh, it's you're putting your faith in Christ. That's right. Um, you know, and and to C.S. Lewis' point, I'm thankful for the the victorious Christ, mm-hmm. right? That's right? Because if he didn't come out of the grave, does the substitution even work, right? Because it's Easter Sunday makes everything valid for us. Um, L- let me can I say it like yeah. this? Yes, our, you our can. Hope, our hope in Christ gives us full atonement and redemption. That's right. And so it it. It takes all of those pieces, and we only find the fullness, not in the theory, we only find the fullness of it in Christ, which he accomplishes all of those things. Yep. He is victor. He is That's He right. is the substitution. Mm. He has um, He has paid the price for what it takes. He has right. taken our place. He's it, So it is full, not in a theory, it's full in Christ. That's right. Um, and so to get caught up in the theories, mm. um, I think... Hey, you said two words that I think are vitally important, and I agree 100% with what you said, but could you give us clarity on the difference between atonement, like he atoned for us, and redemption, he redeemed us? Mm. Yes. This is not something we went through pregame, so we're good. Yeah, that's right. So, so, So atonement is 
like you said, the satisfaction of God's wrath. Right. Mm-hmm. So God's wrath has to be poured out on something. That's right. Um, he, he demands it. And so therefore the atonement is this, is the satisfying right. of God's wrath. Redemption would be the buying back of mm-hmm. or the um, making it new. So something that was broken and ruined has now been put back together or something right. that has been has lost this value has now been given value again. And so uh, so you see both of those things accomplished in Christ. And That's so right. um, so once again, fullness is found in Christ completely. Mm-hmm. It's a good word. Thanks for that. So, so you you started to speak to this a, a minute ago, Josh. Uh, but I think there were a lot of questions. I mean, we, we've talked about sort of the overarching theme of the story, uh, but there are a lot of details that that maybe were were bothersome <laughs> to some people on Sunday, uh, especially as we broke into life groups. Because I, I know a couple of you have mentioned that you know there was discussion around a few of these things in your group times, and it was it was the same was true in my uh, my life group. Uh, but so. One, I mean, you you talked about sort of the gruesome nature of mm. of the sacrifice. Like it's, I mean, we tend to think of this story like, hey, okay, uh, Abraham's going to sacrifice; he's going to kill his son. But but like, there's more to it than just like you know, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna kill him. It's like there's there's a there's a whole ritual to this. Not to mention the fact that this is really the first time where we've seen like God ask for a human sacrifice, mm-hmm. right? Right. So, can you speak to those things? Like, let's talk about that for a couple of minutes. Sure. So, so if you're following along, it's it's verse ten, um, and it says, "And then Abraham reached out his hand and he took the knife to slaughter his son." So that's the ESV's rendering, and I think that word "slaughter" is is right uh, as as the original text because. For the burnt offering, which is the required offering that that the Lord required here, um, the first cut is a cut across the throat to bleed the animal out, um, and then he was to take the knife and to dismember the animal uh, and set it on the altar in a specific way before the fire is lit to consume this animal. Uh, and and the depiction of of sacrifice, right? We we can even put the pieces together to go all the way back to Genesis 3 in the fall, is the whole reason sacrifice was required was because of some sin that needed to be covered, right? Uh, and so anytime that they were to to make a sacrifice, and I believe this is the gruesome nature of it, it is to be a stark reminder that your sin caused this innocent to die. Mm-hmm. Um, so so we could we could get that. I think most, pe- most well-adjusted people, uh, if you ever had to take an animal's life, uh, and I know I know a lot of people who listen to this or even where we live, we're hunter types, right? So weirdos, weirdos. But even still, like I think there is some some awe of when when you take the life of an animal. Uh, hopefully, there's a sense of of deep respect for mm-hmm. for this animal. Hopefully, you never kill just for the sake of killing. Like there is, like when I, I hunt with with my son and now with my daughter. Like whenever we go to the animal that we just harvested, uh, we, we pray, like we thank God for this food that he has blessed our family with and this life that was given for it. So take that in times about a hundred, you are having to kill this innocent thing that is more than likely looking at you because of your sin. Now to this end, imagine doing that to your Mm -hmm. kid, right? Even more so to the son of promise 
that you miraculously had when you're 100 years old and your wife is 90 years old. Mm. And so now God has called you to do this seemingly way out of character thing. And I think for him, like for, for Abraham, the him, and for Isaac, the, the object that is soon to be killed, or at least called to kill, be killed, there is a very sobering moment of what is fixing to take place. So when the knife is about to, to give the blow, then the angel of the Lord speaks down and says, hey, don't do that. And Abraham says, hey, here I am. Yes, thank you. And then all of a sudden there's a ram in the thicket. Now it doesn't go into detail, but they have to do that very thing to that ram. Uh-huh. And so they take Isaac off the altar to put the ram on the altar. Then they have to cut the ram's throat and dismember the ram and then set the whole thing on fire for a burnt offering towards the Lord. It doesn't say this, guys, but there's no doubt there is a sense of appreciation in that sacrifice that they've never experienced before mm. because that was Isaac and it should have been Isaac, but God was gracious and gave him something different. Mm. So moving forward, I think that's why in the picture, like if you move forward into the story of Christ, the bloody depiction of Christ, the beating, the the scourging, the the agony that he must have faced on the cross, right? Like, like we would say that, well, we deserve that. Sure, we, we deserve a lot. <laughs> it's not good. But this picture of a Christ that was broken for us, like by his stripes we are healed, is, is what Isaiah would say. Um, and the, the head that, that was scorned is the one that gave us the crown of righteousness to wear. Uh, so I, th- I think all of that is a beautiful pick and beautiful, I don't know if that's the right word, but for me it's beautiful because immediately after this on Sunday, we take the Lord's Supper mm-hmm. yeah. and we take the, the bread and we take the, the cup and, and we eat it. And I pray it's never just bread and juice. Mm-hmm. Like I, it is the beautiful picture of the body of Christ that has been broken for us and the blood of the new covenant that's been poured out for us. And may we never forget that we needed him then, and we need him now, and we'll need him with every breath that we have left. Mm. You know, if, 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 you're, if you're like me, uh, I, sometimes you, I, I, I can read these stories, and I, and I read them in a sort of a factual way. You know, and you tend to you tend to miss the fact that these were real human beings with real emotions and real feelings, and you know, and and struggle with the same sorts of things that we do today. I mean, with that in mind, I mean, can you imagine what this did to Isaac? Hmm. You know, so I mean, you know, how did this affect his relationship to Abraham moving forward? You know, I mean, can you? I can only imagine how I would feel if my parent just tried to sacrifice <laughs> yeah. me on an altar, you know? That's something I've always wondered. Like, as I read forward from that account, I don't, I don't, you don't see interaction between Isaac and Abraham. And we also know the text tells us that Abraham moves to a new location and literally leaves Isaac behind. Um, but we also see that Isaac begins to basically commit the same practices of his father. Mm-hmm. And exemplifies the same faith that you see in his father. Right. And and so so it doesn't tell us, right? It doesn't yeah. tell us that that Isaac is now wounded by his father <laughs> and hates him forever. Mm-hmm. 
it doesn't it doesn't tell us the conversation coming down the mountain. It doesn't it doesn't tell us what happened, but we do know that there's one certain thing that happens, and that is you see faith mm-hmm. become Isaac's. That's right. And whether that be through pain or whether that be through trust mm-hmm. and the example that his father has set. God uses and can use both of those things to bring about that yeah. that closeness to Him and that faith in who who He is above all things. That I mean, like that's that's just a really um, I, don't, I don't know how to resolve that, right? And yeah. but we know that mm-hmm. Isaac exemplifies this faith. So yeah, and you know, there's got to be some cool moments. At this point, we're we're just straight conjecture, right? That's so right. We're, we're just and we don't know. We're trying to fill in some gaps that we just, we don't have and we, in our mind, want to. Like, it seeming, seems that the angel of the Lord speaks. It doesn't say just Abraham heard it. doesn't say that he wasn't the only one who heard it. But I mean, if you're Isaac and you're sitting there and you're thinking, oh God, please make this, make this not happen. And then all of a sudden a voice comes and says, stop. And you're like, yes, thank you. Like, I don't know what grew his faith, but that moment had to be helpful. Had to be helpful. Right? <laughs> had to be helpful. Right. Whether he thought right. his dad was wild and crazy to get him in the peculiar situation that he was in, that moment had to be a big deal for his life yeah. moving forward. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, I, we, we don't know. We don't right. know what happens. Right. So there's, there's other questions. And um, Mark and I were talking about this a little bit um, as we were eating lunch together uh, on Sunday. Did when God told Abraham to go take his son Isaac and to sacrifice him, did he really think that Abraham was going to do it? Right. So, so I'll, I'll voice it a different way. Did God know that Isaac would always be safe, knowing that that there was never a chance that he was going to die? So, when we think, well, how could God call Abraham to do that? Is is there a is there a thought in our hearts and our minds and the word that potentially being that he is sovereign over all things, Isaac was never in jeopardy? I would have to say yes, because of his sovereignty, he knew all along. Mm-hmm. He knew what all along? That Isaac was safe. That he was always going to either he provide was, a ram he was and, always and stop live. it. He was not. What? He was always going to live. He was never going to let Abraham go through with it. <laughs> The flip side of that, if I am a lost person listening to this, then mm-hmm. I'm thinking, what a cruel trick. Yep. Mm. What, what, I mean, why would God do that to someone? Make them go through the agony of preparing their son to slaughter them and then say, oh, just kidding, you don't have to. Here's a lamb. Okay, let me throw a different idea, which may be really, really bad. Wait, 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 what's wrong with that one? I I mean, mean, it's okay. (laughs) He wasn't even done yet. He was still talking. Let me me interrupt your idea to share an even worse idea. (laughs) (laughs) Mine wasn't really an idea. I'm just thinking that's like if someone's listening to this that doesn't have context, the perception is God, God led or talked to, to to Abraham to say, yeah, go ahead, prepare your son. You're going to have to kill him. Mm-hmm. And then at the last moment. Right. And which does it. seem out of character because later on in the scriptures, in the same Mosaic law, God's going to say no child sacrifices. Right. Like that's, we're not Molech. We're not, we're not 
God is not Moloch. We're not doing child sacrifices in hope of a blessing from right. some deity. And so it would be strange. It seems strange <clears throat> if God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, that God would even request that and then later on prohibit that. Right. Neil, you had a thought. So, yeah, <laughs> you look like you're stressed over there. So I'm just, I'm trying to look at a different perspective. What if, assuming God views death different than we do, and it's not something that we hold on to life, it's not that Isaac is safe as much as he is saved for eternity. Whether he goes through a physical death or not, God's view of Isaac is, I have you. Obviously, he doesn't think death is something to hide from. He mm. puts it on his son knowing that the full picture is that it is for eternal life more than the temporal. And I don't think I don't think I agree with this, but I'm struggling with because we started the question earlier before it was, did God did God change his mind right. because he saw mm-hmm. Abraham be faithful? And I go, probably not. He so yeah. either he's gonna Abraham's gonna do it and God saves Isaac on the other side, raises him from the dead. Or he stops Abraham. Either way, God's sovereign in it. Well, you had Corey's wholehearted agreement. I mean, that's the most excited I've seen Corey. And like <laughs> animated. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know if that's, it's just a different I'm not I was having the thought as we were talking. Right. And I don't know what to do with it yet. Yeah, it's, I think it's yeah. a good thought. And and I think that thought aligns probably with the author of Hebrews, whoever that is, because uh, it talks about in the Hall of Fame of Faith, right? Of um, that if 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 God required, like if, if Abraham is going to follow through with this, he had the faith at least to believe that if he had to kill him, he would bring him back somehow because he was the child of promise. Not, not a son, but Isaac the son. Like that specific son had all of these things that if death were coming to him that day, leaves things unfulfilled. Mm-hmm. But Abraham believed yeah. that God's plan and those prophetic words were true. And so if he had to That's take right. the life somehow... So, God would have put that life back. Yeah, so it goes it goes back further than the moment mm-hmm. than, hey, you need to take your son and take him to Mount Moriah. It goes back further for Abraham to, I'm going to give you a son, right. and from that son, I will I will bring about this great nation. Oh yeah, like so it goes mm. it goes deeper yeah. than just that yeah. moment. It goes back to something Genesis prior to that, saying, yeah. I know that God will fulfill that. I don't know how. Don't know how. But he will. But he will. Mm-hmm. And so I'm going to walk along with him in this moment because I know that to be true. Mm-hmm. That's right. Um, which is a good, I think, a good practice for us as well. Like we hit circumstances and we don't, we go, I don't, I don't know how this is going to work out, but I know these things are true. Right. And so now I'll walk in what I know to be true and what I, what I have faith in, even through those, those moments that I don't know the outcome. As yeah. you're talking for me, it, it, the, my response was, it seems to me dangerous for us to view God as someone who doesn't, who would not want us to go through pain and loss. Speak more to that. I mean, the whole call for following was picking up your cross and following him dying daily. You're speaking in reference to Isaac being safe. Right. His like, plan, I mean, his ultimate purpose is not for Isaac to be safe. Is what that's you're right. Saying. And his, I think our view that, that God in some way doesn't want me to struggle or have pain anyway. Right, that that's an antithesis to who he is, is a our, it leads us to pursue comfort rather than submission. Yeah, that's a good word. I I think, uh, and I, I completely see that viewpoint. But 
On the other end, here is where I believe, um, I, I remember a preacher, I'm trying to remember who it was. It was recent, like last decade or so, um, who used like the Mario Brothers illustration that like you play cautiously until you get the star. And then once you get the star on Mario Brothers, you're invincible. And so you go wide open, you can't die. You're just going to run as fast as you can, nothing can stop you. And so the idea that, you know, I don't, I don't think you the goal. You lost about half our audience. No, no, look, go play Mario Brothers. I just 30 and under. They have no idea who Mario Brothers is. I don't know a new Mario game Brothers? that gives you a star thing. So if you have that, you know, contact us and tell us that you're listening to us and tell us a different star reference. But the idea that, in my mind, I believe full wholeheartedly that Isaac was always safe in the sovereign knowledge of God. Not that that was the aim. The aim isn't safety, right? But the fact that he was safe because he ended up being safe, like, mm-hmm. like should compel us to not risk for the sake of risking, but risk for the sake of trusting God, no matter what he calls us to do. Mm. Right. Yeah. So it helps us for, it helps me to to operate in a way that fear is not my first thought. Am I scared of this? Am I nervous of this? Am I going to fail in this? Well, if I do, then it must not be God's will. But if I succeed, then then I'm going to keep rolling. Right? So there's this idea of um, we are, all right, hear my logic. It could be poor. We are invincible until we are not. Right? So in, in that, in the sense of, nope, this is me. Okay? I'm on a limb here, none of you guys have to agree with me. I'm, we're just going deep because this is what we're, we get to do on the podcast. I don't believe anybody dies early. What I mean by that is I don't think anybody gets to heaven and God says, what are you doing here? Yep. Surprise. Like right. I believe that God is sovereign over mm-hmm. every breath that you have in your body. And I know that some people are listening to saying, oh, my gosh. Are you telling me that God knew that my baby would die or that my spouse would die or you fill in the blank? I'm just telling you God is sovereign over all of our life that before the foundations of the world, he knew every day that we would live and how we would live it, right? That being said, I believe that we don't have to allow fear to guide us because if we do, we won't do much. But instead, we have the confidence that what God has called us to, he's going he's gonna to equip us with the ability and give us the boldness to run hard and fast until we accomplish the task that he calls us to. And then we can rest assured that the day that he calls us home, our job is done on this side of eternity. Mm. But until then, we're not. Right. And so that, that could be. I'm, I'm not on a limb. And you may say, I don't like any of that. That's just how I operate currently. Yeah. I don't know that I disagree with that. I don't think I do. Um, Can I, say I don't know that I live my life mm-hmm. with that level of passion every day. Mm-hmm. Like I, I think I, I can acquiesce to that and go, yeah, yeah, I, like, I can, yeah, that makes sense to me. I don't know how much it. Yeah, I'm gonna use your hand motions, Mark. I'm kind of in my chest, like feeling. We've got to get a camera in here. Well, it is. <laughs> yeah, and and I think it's it's like many things, right? Like we can we can say we believe that, like we believe it in our head, but mm-hmm. but you know. If you really that believe that, living. there's a recklessness that it could lead to um, in a good way or in a maybe not so good way, but a reckless abandonment. Yeah. If you really believe that. Sure. Mm-hmm. Because it does it does remove fear from the equation. Sure. On, yep. Um, how we live our life in submission and uh, abandon to the call of the gospel. Right. If, if if we don't live in fear. That's right. If, if we are living with eternity in mind, 
right? So not not today in mind, not tonight in mind, not vacation this coming week in mind. But if we live with eternity in mind, like like it is truly the Apostle Paul, right? So he gets mm-hmm. in he gets in a tough spot on worldly terms. Like stop preaching, or we're going to kill you. He said, No, nah, I'm not going to stop preaching. Well, we're going to kill you. He great. Yeah. I, I get to go home today. I'll I will see my Savior today. And to your point, you're not going to kill me before. It's God's time. It's exactly it. right. Like mm-hmm. there's nothing, and that, I think that's what frustrated mm-hmm. those those Pharisees in that moment, because Paul's like, you can't do anything to me that God's not going to allow. Right. So if He wants me to die, then I'm going to die today, and if He doesn't want me to die, then I'm going to preach tomorrow. So you you pick it. You decide what the Lord is telling mm-hmm. you to do, and go ahead and get it done. Um, you know, well, I'm not stopping. I'm not think, stopping. Okay. I'm gonna... I'm going to go a little bit further that I think this might be wrong. But <laughs> therefore, if we live with that approach, mm-hmm. it begins to reconcile the conflict we feel when we experience, um, like my dad, Alzheimer's or cancer or those things. Yeah. Because it's no longer about that. That's right. It's about the way in which we engage the life on mission that he's given us mm-hmm. and we trust. But mm-hmm. if we have not lived that way, then I think we are left holding on grasping mm-hmm. for Physical life, yep. Rather than the eternal. So Neil, the, you got animated Corey again. I love you. it. I love <laughs> it. But the author of Hebrews, I think, would say it this way: When we live that way, we're grasping at shadows, mm-hmm. right? So, so we are we are so, trying to hold and grasp and control things that aren't real. Uh, they are real to us. No, right. I'm not making light of your father's no, yeah, yeah, Alzheimer's struggle and, and journey that you're on. But ultimately, that's not the end of him, right? Like mm-hmm. ultimately, yeah. we have eternity to look right. forward to, and and that helps us not be fearful in this moment, or fearful may not even be the right word to be paralyzed in this moment for for wondering, are we going to make this decision? Is it going to be mm-hmm. right or is it going to be wrong? Instead, we get to run hard and fast after the call that God has placed over our life. And I think, and I think when we're when we're looking at the Word, and this <laughs> we're we're way outside the scope of I believe this sort of. <laughs> um, this idea of being sober-minded, right, of, of being singular-focused in this life. I want to honor God, and I want to fulfill the mission that Christ has called me to. That's, that's the mission. Everything else is the platform that we do it by. So you, you may be sitting here listening to this thing, and, and we are too, right? So as lead pastor at Broadmoor, that's not my description. That's not what defines me. It's just currently my platform that God has trusted to me to accomplish the task that he has called me to do. Your task, I believe, is similar to mine. It is to make disciples. It is to to give good and faithful witness to everybody you come in contact with. And your job, the thing that you're getting paid to do, the thing that's consuming your every day is a platform. So like if you're waiting to serve the Lord on a mission trip or when church is right or when, when life slows down, you're missing the whole point. That's right. Life is the point. We we're not guaranteed tomorrow, so we run hard and fast today. As I hear us, it's and it's I hear the call to make disciples go forth and multiply, make disciples. It's the same thing as what he tells Adam and Eve in Genesis one, which we're just a few weeks removed from, which is right. have dominion, be fruitful, multiply. multiply. That's right. Right. This is a physical, and this is the spiritual. It's exactly same right. truth going all the way through the whole thing. It's exactly That's right. right. Hmm. And I love the little wax on, wax off thing that you Man, did right yeah. then. When More hand motions, sorry. Yeah, <laughs> you're miming. Um, so that was in the 90s, too. They just lost a lot of our people. <laughs> that is true, actually. Yeah, that is a 90s movie reference. We are old. It's back. Cobra Kai, man, it's still there's around. There's a new Cobra Karate Kid. Yeah. There's a new Karate Kid. That's right. That's right. I'm, Shows I'm pretty sure, you don't know. I'm pretty so, sure Daniel's son didn't do wax on, wax off in Cobra Kai. <laughs> he did. No, so he did. Did he really? Season one. 
Oh, oh, I didn't watch it. I had man. too much cussing. No, no. <laughs> you were too busy. You were, you were crawfishing. Yeah. I don't watch that trash. <laughs> He's playing Super Mario Brothers. Yeah. Oh, boy. That was Ted yeah. Lasso. I'm going to crawfish out of this conversation here. Um, <laughs> so... Um, uh, we got just a couple more minutes left, but uh, but there were I think there are a couple other things that people may be wondering about that it would be great for us to just hit real quickly. Uh, one, uh, so the reference to the angel. Come on, let's go. So mm, Neil's favorite, love it. It says the angel of the Lord versus an angel of the Lord, and the angel is speaking in first person. So um, can we talk about that for a minute? Yes, like, and what, I'm going to intro it because Neil talked about it. Using a word that I haven't used very often. Ooh, what was it? It's a fun word. It is. Neil, what is it? Now, Mark, let's see. How I don't remember the word. It. What was it? Christophany. Ah, it sounds better it's if you say it with say. an English accent. It sounds we like sound... a. It sounds like a reggae band. Christophany. 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 Is that or Christophany? Christophany. What was the, there used to be a Christian Crawl reggae band called Christophany. Not to be confused <laughs> with the actor Chris Christopherson. Yeah, True. not the same. Yeah. Not that one. Not that guy. <laughs> what is a Christophany? Yeah, my understanding of Christophany is it's an Old Testament uh, experience with the second person of the Trinity. Is that close? Which is who? Jesus. Okay, great. Just so we're all clear. <laughs> Sorry. Um, that's yeah. correct. Yeah, that's Christophany. And so, and so in your in your thought, this, yeah, is, so this is an example this of is that. Huge. I love this conversation. I don't know what the answer is, but many people, uh, many scholars would say that when you see the angel of the Lord, Consider that that might be hmm. Jesus um, arriving on the scene in a very real way um, in specific revelation at that point um, versus just an angel. An idea of an angel is a messenger. And so, but when it gets cre- like clear on the angel, so in this passage, the angel is, you can imagine, which to me, if it is, the idea that Jesus, who will be sacrificed on the cross, is there talking to Abraham and Isaac about this moment, mm. is mm. unbelievable. <laughs> unbelievable. Yeah. As he's, uh, right, good. just amazing. So, but do you, is that, is it okay to read the Bible that way? Doesn't it doesn't, I mean, it'd be, it'd be easier if it said in the Old Testament, and Jesus showed up and said to Abraham and Isaac. So, wh- how do you guys read an angel versus the angel? Right. So as I jump in, I would I would say the answer comes in verse 16. So like verse 17 or verse 15 is when it says the angel of the Lord. But verse 16 says, by myself I have sworn, declares the Lord. Right? So this angel, whomever it is, is taking this unilateral authority that nobody else in creation can take. Because this this type of speak doesn't happen anywhere else outside the person of Christ in the Gospels mm-hmm. and outside the Father when it's the prophet speaking about him, saying, I by myself, not not by the Father in heaven, not by the heavens that were created, but he is saying, I am in my authority that I have, I am saying there is nothing higher than what I'm uh, going to declare because you have done this. You have not withheld your son, your one and only son. I will surely bless you and I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars are in the heaven and the sands that are on the seashore. This is the new covenant mm. that he is making right here. Only God can make a covenant. And so whether this is uh, Christ as the figure, um, it is certainly one of the Trinity, uh, one of the persons of the Trinity uh, who come and is seen and making the statement, at least according to that authoritative word in verse 16. Mm. So can you imagine, okay, it doesn't say this, but then imagine Jesus sitting with Abraham and Isaac after the fact. In my mind, around a campfire. <laughs> Campfire. <laughs> yeah. Around the fire. And 
the conversation. Hmm. That is amazing. It's so good. What do you think they would talk about? I don't know, but I'm imagining the the if I have to uh, humanize the father who's watching the exchange between the son and Abraham and Isaac, kind of the the twinkle in his eye of like, oh, the story we're about to tell. Mm. Yeah. Hmm. They have no clue what's coming. And the pain they're going to go through along the way. Hmm. But son, spirit, like this is going to like. That's that's good. Hmm. That's good. So that's a story that shapes our faith. Mm. Yep. Well, this was a good discussion. It's great. I think we yeah. went in some tangents that we didn't plan to go, but yeah, but felt it's good. good. Felt right. Yeah. Can I ask a final question? Oh boy. So well, sure. You're at dinner. <laughs> oh boy. Yeah. Do you prefer lobster or crawfish? Ooh, lobster. Mm. No, yeah. crawfish. lobster's gross. <laughs> lobster tastes like a shoe if you don't put butter on it. <laughs> I'm going crawfish. But if you did, if you did put butter on it, I'll <laughs> eat it. It tastes shoe. like butter. I don't know. Maybe you haven't Just had eat a right stick there. of butter. Uh, maybe you have. <laughs> you put butter on it. I'll eat that shoe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, maybe you haven't had the right lobster. We used to catch, I've certainly we, not had the right lobster. We used lobster. to catch lobster in the Keys, and they were they were pretty remarkable, man. Hmm. So mm, so sweet, you know. But I'm high, catch but I'm high flutin. Can't like put that. enough butter on that. <laughs> <laughs> Two totally different cultural experiences. <laughs> <laughs> Ever had armadillo? Uh, I tried oh, the butter man. on that. It's I did right. try to cook one one time. It didn't go well. <laughs> oh uh, wow! Um, <laughs> yeah, you put you can put butter on anything. Yep. Um, <laughs> yeah. All right. We should end. <laughs> <laughs> hey guys, good to be with you. And great. Uh, always great discussion. Looking forward to next week. Thanks, Mike. Love <laughs> you, Mike. Love you. Have a good one. <laughs> this has been a production of Broadmoor Baptist Church. If you enjoyed today's episode, please share it with others and don't forget to subscribe. To help us spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe as well. They can find us wherever they prefer to get their podcasts. And if you'd like more information about Broadmoor, please visit our website at broadmoor.org or connect with us on your favorite social media platform where we're listed as at my Broadmoor. Thanks for listening. <laughs>